0: Well, good morning. One thing we all love in life is predictability. Predictability. But I have to tell you, what we are learning in this past two years is that nothing is predictable. The COVID pandemic is telling us every day that even with the best science, with the best knowledge, cleverest governments that are able to take decisions, there's still a lot of unpredictability. People don't know whether to travel, they don't know whether to book their flights, they don't know whether to cancel, they don't know what to do with Christmas. There's a lot of unpredictability. And there's a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. And if you know loved ones who have died through this pandemic, or you know somebody who has been very traumatized by this, you are in morbid fear of what is happening next when a new mutation is arising, and perhaps more mutations will come. Peace is not something people think of in these times. But when we think of peace, often what we think of is that there is no war. There is no war, in fact, Wars have plagued humanity for many, many years. And after the Second World War, the world decided that we needed to do something to prevent another world war, hence the formation of the United Nations. So you've all heard about the United Nations. In fact, before the United Nations was formed, the average number of wars per year was about 2.5. After the United Nations, guess what? It's 3.0 every year. You may argue that if the United Nations were not in existence, perhaps it would be much higher. So peace is not something that is easily found. And even when we describe it as absence of war, we don't even have that. Talk of extreme weather conditions, look at what happened in BC and Nova Scotia, and just see the tornadoes in Kentucky and Tennessee. They have never seen anything of that sort since weather conditions were recorded. The world seems to be in turmoil, and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. But can we talk of peace in these times? The peace the Bible talks about is really better described with the Hebrew word shalom. It's not a negative, it's not absence of trouble, it's not absence of anxiety, it's not absence of ill health. But it talks of completeness and wholeness. It talks of flourishing with delight. It talks of prosperity. That is the peace that Christ offers. That is the peace that the Bible talks about. But how can we find this peace? if indeed it is not simply absence of illness, absence of trouble or pain or anxiety. And I think the place to go to is to go to Christ himself. I'm going to place you in context. So Christ has been with his disciples for a number of years, and he's about to die a gruesome death. The plot to kill him has thickened. He's marching in Jerusalem there was a whole sort of celebration of him riding on the donkey. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But within him, he knew that his death was imminent. So slowly he tells his disciples about this imminent tragedy that is going to face them. He begins by telling them in indirect ways. And then as he goes on and on, he becomes a little clearer. He said, a little while, you will not see me again. And he's wondering, what is he talking about? What is he saying about a little while? Then he said, I'm going to ask an advocate. He was referring to the Holy Spirit to be with you, to really take you through, because the times that are going to happen are going to be very difficult. So he speaks to them, and I refer to John 14, Verse 27 to 29. Jesus speaks. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I'll come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. And then in John 16, 33, he actually tells them, you are going to be scattered, and you're all going to run away, and I will be left alone, but the Lord is with me. I know that my Father is with me. And he continues, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Just imagine, he talks about peace, and then in the next sentence, he's saying, here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. He talks about peace, and he talks about many trials and sorrows at the same time, in the same context. What is this telling us? He's telling us that the gift that he's leaving with them, that peace of mind and heart, is not dependent on their circumstances. That though they are going to face a lot of sorrow, they are going to be scattered. They'll be scattered amidst fear and trembling. They'll run away because they they cannot even afford to stay out lest they be dealt with the same way their master has been dealt with. And he says, I leave you my peace. The peace that the world cannot give. Now what kind of peace does the world give? I told you about the United Nations, let's talk about war. The United Nations was set up, they had a security council which was made up of members and it included members who are strong, countries that are strong, that have nuclear weapons. By the way, Canada is not one of them. And when they had decided on issues, These powerful countries have something they call the veto. It means that if we all agree, and one of them says, no, I don't agree, the whole thing crashes down. So you can imagine, in certain situations, they cannot even agree what to do to bring peace. You may all have heard about the Nobel Prize. So peace is one of the prizes that they they award, because uh, the world thinks that any person who works hard to bring peace needs to be recognized. So there's a Nobel Prize for peace. There was a, li- a leader of, in Myanmar who's, who's called Aung San Suu Kyi. In fact, Canada made her an honorary citizen. She was kept in house arrest many years in Myanmar when the military authorities were denying them democratic rule. And her exemplary leadership in leading his, his, her people to resist oppressive rule and to fight for democracy was recognized to the level that Canada awarded her an honorary citizenship. It is very rare to happen. But guess what happens later? Later, this same person is now a para, is now being hammered all over the world because genocide was happening in her own country And she wouldn't rise in opposition. There were Muslims in the Rohingya uh, tribe that were being persecuted and actually being killed and moved away from Myanmar. They became refugees in Bangladesh. So Canada decided that they're going to withdraw their citizenship. So a Nobel laureate of peace now becomes an agent of war. This is the best the world can offer. At one time, a leader of peace. And at one time, a leader of genocidal activity. Sometimes we want peace. They tell you the way to get peace is take an insurance. Take an insurance on everything. On your house, on your life, on injury, on your property. Because it will give you peace of mind. But guess what happens when you have to make those claims? Soon you discover that there are small prints in there that you didn't uh, actually pay attention to. And it turns out that what you thought you were qualified for is not actually the case. And what you thought you were going to get out of it, you're not going to get. Even the best insurance that uh, is offered to you has some catches. So peace in this world is hollow. It's not lasting. But the peace that Christ offers is a peace that lasts, that is for every circumstance. And I like the rendering of the New Living Translation. He calls it a gift, the gift I give to you. It is not something you're going to work for. The peace that Christ gives to you is a gift that he offers because you trust. You're not going to be able to earn it. You're not going to be able to work at it. No amount of positive thinking, no amount of sizing yourself is going to bring you that kind of peace. It is the peace Christ offers as a gift and it is yours to receive because he has accomplished it for you and it is yours to take. So this peace is not dependent on our circumstances at all, whether in joy or in sorrow, whether you are courageous or you are in fear whether you are in anxiety or you are hopeful, whether you are healthy or you are plagued with sickness, whether you feel rich or you are facing poverty, whether you have success or failure, Christ's peace is for you. That peace within the sorrow, that peace within the pain, that peace within the sickness, that peace Within the fear is what Christ offers. The world does not know that because it doesn't make sense. How can you talk of sorrow and pain and fear and ill health and talk about peace? The world doesn't see it that way at all. But Christ offers that shalom, that sense that he's with you and his peace will last. But how can you have this kind of peace if you don't have peace with God. Let's read Paul's letter to the Roman church, Roman Christians. He wrote to them talking about the fact that we have been made right with God. We've been justified. That's the the theological word. We've been made right with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done, just like Abraham believed and it was imputed to him. As righteousness. Romans 5.1 says. Therefore. Since we have been made right. In God's side by faith. We have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord. Has done for us. We have peace with God. Because of what Christ Jesus our Lord. Has done for us. Before you can. Experience the peace. Of God whether you're sitting here or whether you're watching online, my message to you is that you need peace with God. You need peace with God. And the good news is that God has accomplished it. When Jesus was born, when he died, when he rose again from the dead, he accomplished that peace. That reconciliation that occurred between God and humanity was established once and for all. If you don't have peace with God and you are, you are, you are still in your sin, you are living in rebellion against God. And you ask, when, do you, when did I rebel against God? You rebel against God if you don't follow his will and his plans for you per, uh, perfectly. And so we are all in rebellion against God. And the only way we can be reconciled with God is through Jesus Christ, his son, who died and rose again for us. So you can find this peace with God because it has been accomplished with Christ in Christ and all you have to do is to reach out in faith. So if you are out there and you want to say, ah, Isaac, you're talking about this peace that Christ offers. How can I know that peace? First, you need peace with God. And that peace with God is only through the finished work of Christ, his death and his resurrection. That is the whole purpose of his coming. In fact, it was announced by the angels when they appeared to the shepherds, peace towards all men. That is the peace he was talking about. That reconciliation that was going to be brought about because Christ has entered our world. To have the peace of Christ, we first need Peace with God. So you have peace with God and you have peace within. But how do we actually experience God's peace? How do we actually actualize it in our life? How does this peace become a reality in our daily living when we are facing a pandemic, when we are facing anxiety, when we are facing a lot of uncertainty, unpredictability, how does it work out? Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, a big prophet of God in the years 700 before Christ. And he was one of the greatest prophets, Hebrew prophets, who spoke about redemption. He spoke about a lot of doom, but he spoke about redemption. And in chapter 26, verse 3, after he had spoken about some destruction that was coming upon the world because of sin, he goes into this song of praise that people will sing because God is going to bring deliverance. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And again, in the New Testament, Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, the Philippian church, and he's admonishing them about what to do, about anxiety and worry. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 reads, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Now, anything should be emphasized. It means nothing is out. Don't worry about anything. Threat of death. Threat of illness, threat of poverty, fear and anxiety about tomorrow. Whatever it is, don't worry about it, he says. Because you can have perfect peace in Christ. In his admonition to the Philippians, he actually has established some steps that we need to take to experience this peace that exceeds understanding. So experiencing the peace that overcomes worry, anxiety, or fear begins with trusting God. As, as I said in his song, trust in God, for you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And how do we trust in God? How do we build our trust in God? It is by knowing him and knowing his word. You see, the privilege we have as children, daughters and sons of God, is that God himself becomes our father. Can you imagine that your father is the richest man in this world, is the most powerful, is the most knowledgeable, he's the most loving, he's the kindest person ever in this world, he's the most gracious person, And I'm not making it up. That is who God is. That is your father. And he says, trust me. Just like you have young children. And they look to you. Christmas is coming. They look to you that something good is going to happen. The trust that you're going to deliver. It is that same level of trust that he's asking us to have in him. If you're going to live in peace, you have to build that trust. And it's through knowing his word. What he has promised you as a son and daughter of God, you have to know it every day, every week, every month. That builds your trust. Don't you notice that when you turn away from reading his word and you are saturated with the negative news that you hear all the time and your time with the word of God is limited, anxiety builds up. A little bit of disquiet builds up. Because your level of trust in God wanes. Trust in him, that's the first step. Then as I says, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Fix your thoughts on him rather than your circumstances. I'm not by that saying that you should not think through your circumstances, how you're going to solve it, how you're going to find money to, to pay down that deposit. How you're going to get to uh, buy that drug that you need for your for your parent or your loved one? You have to think through that process, but do that with God's pers- perspective, with Him at the center. Fix your thoughts on Him rather than your circumstances. Worrying and thinking about your circumstances as though it is all on you to solve and to address the issue is a recipe for anxiety it's a recipe for losing your peace because your eyes are not fixed on him rather they are fixed on the circumstance and Paul in his admonition says pray about everything I like that rendition pray about everything when disaster strikes don't be in a rush to find your own solution To use your own wisdom. Pray. Pray. You have God who is the most powerful, the wisest, the the richest, the, the most gracious and loving Father who is living in you by His Spirit. And you don't tell Him everything. Leave nothing out. So this is what prayer is about. Pray while you are walking. Pray while you are driving. Pray while you are in the midst of the trouble. Your child is sick and you are in the emergency room. Pray there. Pray everywhere. Pray when you are happy. Pray when you are joyful. By the way, when you are praying, he knows that you are in it already. He knows your trouble. He knows your fear. He knows your joy. He knows your pain already. He's giving you that privilege to have that interaction with him because that strengthens his peace within you. So pray about everything. Don't leave anything out and always tell God what you need before you even rush to seek counsel or to find your own solutions. There's an old hymn that has a line. Oh, what needless pain we bear, what peace we forfeit, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So when you don't pray continually in your situation, you lose peace, you lose peace, you forfeit peace, and you have needless pain because you are not putting your trust in him. But to crown it all, always be thankful. Always be thankful when you have a need, when you have trouble, when you have pain, Remember to thank God for what he has done for you. Thank God for what he has done for you. Because that is what brings you into his peace. That tranquility that you need in that tumultuous situation. When the battle is raging. When the the waves are roaring. You need that peace of God. And it is through thankfulness. Being thankful to him. And he says he will give you the peace that exceeds understanding. This is not the kind of peace the world can explain. You want people around you to say, how is it that you can remain so calm? When things things are in confusion, when there's chaos around here in this office, how can you remain so quiet and so gentle? It is the peace of God that gives you that level of tranquility even in the midst of the storms. It doesn't mean you don't feel the pain. It doesn't mean that you don't feel the, the importance of it. Don't get me wrong. It is not a, a, a thing of burying your head under the sun and ignoring the problem. No, not at all. It is rather the, rather the opposite. Because you know that the conditions are so grave that you cannot fight it in your own strength and in your own power. And you need the peace of God to be with you in that moment. And that's what gives that tranquility and that calmness even in the midst of trouble. We cannot understand God's peace. It exceeds understanding. But we can experience it in full. You will know it when you have it. And others will testify. Oh, this chap, I can't really explain this guy. How he or she can be so calm when there's so much trouble around. The peace that God offers Exceeds understanding. And we get it by trusting Him, fixing our eyes on Him, telling Him everything through prayer, and being thankful for everything He has done. So we have peace with God, we have peace within. What about peace with one another? And for that, we turn to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Colossians 3, 14 and 15. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful. He talks about being thankful again here. But here he's talking about clothe yourselves, put it on. Can you imagine having a wardrobe full of clothes and not wearing them? So you wake up every day, you wear the same uh, shirt or or, or pants or or skirt that you wore the day before. And somebody might ask, what are all these clothes uh, for? There's this whole uh, sort of uh, idea expressed in the New Testament that although we have been endowed with the gifts of God, we've been endowed with grace and the fruit of the Spirit. It is something that we have to clothe ourselves with every day. It means you have to make an effort to put it on. It means that you can have it, but you may not be able to put it on if you don't make that effort. So he he says, clothe yourselves with love and also with peace that comes from Christ so that we can live in peace with one another as a body of Christ. So he refers to members of the same body as as individuals by belonging to one body, which is the church. So let peace rule our hearts. Let the peace of God rule by clothing ourselves with peace every day. So in these times, I'll make a suggestion. Before you leave home or before you start your day, just spend moments and ask God for that peace, that peace to rule over you, clothe yourself of it, and let it really rule over you, so that when you meet circumstances in that day, that peace will overcome. So while we have the peace in Christ, it takes an effort to let his peace rule in our hearts. That is what will make the peace evident and obvious in our lives, That people look at us and they say, oh, that person must have such peace because even in the midst of anxiety and fear and trouble, they can remain calm and know the peace of Christ. Let me end with a story. So many, many years ago, there was a man who was an attorney and a businessman, very prosperous in the city of Chicago. He had four daughters and a son. The son painfully passed away through scarlet fever, which is a form of an infection. And not long after, there was a great fire in Chicago. In fact, something that is historic. It destroyed most part of downtown Chicago. There was a loss of property. And this man lost all his business, lost all his property. So in an instant, He was transformed from being a millionaire to somebody who had nothing. He found Christ, and he was committed to ministry. In fact, he was supportive of D.L. Moody's ministry. So in his sorrow and his pain, he decided that uh, uh, he and his family were going to sail from United States to England to have a holiday, to have a break. But while he was in New York to get onto the ship, some business opportunity came that he had to see to, and it was very important. So he asked his wife and three daughters to go ahead to visit England with the hope that he would join them later. On that journey, their ship collided with another ship. And a lot of people in that ship sank with the ship. His three daughters all died. His wife was found on a piece of the ship by some uh, sailors who were in a smaller boat, and they dragged her to safety. So suddenly, only his wife has survived that journey. She arrives in Cardiff, in Wales, and sends a telegram. And the telegram was something I'm told this guy actually framed and put in his office. The telegraph, uh, telegram read, saved alone, what shall I do? So the news got to this guy, and you can imagine the pain, the sorrow, the trouble. So many days after, he decided to go and be with his wife, who by now was in Wales. And as he boarded the ship and they got to the place where it all happened, the ship captain called him and said, this is exactly the place where your three daughters sank with 200 others in this place. He went into his cabin and he wrote this poem. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to know, it is well. It is well with my soul. That was Horatio Spafford. And those words became lyrics for a famous hymn It is well. How did he know that sort of peace in that kind of trouble to be able to say it is well with my soul? Note he doesn't say it will be well. Maybe in the future, my daughters, my, all that I've lost, I'll get it back. He says it is well, even in this situation, we can know the peace of Christ even in these times of trouble. Because his peace is not as the world gives, but the peace that only he can give us. Please pray with me. I just want you to spend just a a minute to ponder over the peace that Christ offers. Maybe you are in turmoil, you are anxious, You're worrying about something in your life. Will you just say to him, Lord, I receive your peace and it is well with my soul. Father, we come to you this morning and we say we need your peace and that peace cannot be found in the world the world in all its efforts cannot give us that peace only you can so we come to you at this moment and we ask that you give us that peace that exceeds understanding that peace that is for all circumstances that peace that lasts that we can say it is well with us Amen